Whether it be ghost, poltergeist, or some sort of other haunting, you never really know what you're going to get in the world of the unexplained and paranormal. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends, and welcome if you are new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true paranormal and unexplained horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Sometimes when I'm trying to take my packages to the post office to send out to you guys, the lovely swamp-dwelling folk who buy the shirts and hoodies we have on sale, I get suddenly attacked by a swarm of terrible, very angry, and very irritable grandmas. Now I know what you're thinking, Swamp Dweller, don't you love grandmas and don't grandmas love you? How could this ever go wrong? I know, I know exactly what you're saying. I tried to walk around, I even tried to offer to walk them across the street like the good boy scout I am, but the hustle and tussle that they had ended up throwing my boxes and packages all into the water and they were ruined. But that would never happen if I had ShipStation at the time. But ever since I partnered with ShipStation, all of those headaches have gone away and it has been an honest breeze to be able to get my shipping done. There are no more hordes of grandmas beating me up and pushing me into the water with my packages. There are no more Bigfoots trying to steal things off the back of the truck. ShipStation is quick to set up, easy to learn, and even has a free trial. You can get up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates, and if that's not enough, use my promo code to try ShipStation free for two months. That's 60 days. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses, including mine, with ShipStation. And 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Just use promo code SWAMPED today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code SWAMPED. And stay away from those crazy grannies. My Experiences with Ghosts by Beatrix I want to share some experiences with ghosts and the paranormal with you that I've had. I was raised in a moderately religious home. My family is Lutheran, and although I was never much of a believer, I am very spiritual. I've always been, I suppose you could say, sensitive to spirits, and I can sense them and see them in my mind's eye. The first story happened when I was somewhere around 14 years old. At the time, me and my sisters and my dad were staying at my grandpa's house. My grandpa's house is an old farmhouse that is roughly around 100 years old. And at the time, my sisters and I were staying in our grandpa's trophy room. For those who do not know, a trophy room is a big game hunter's dream. It's like my grandpa's trophy case where all of the stuff like trophies, heads, and animals are displayed. My grandpa's trophy room is vast in about two stories and a field floor to ceiling with trophies. Bison, deer, big cats, bears, zebra, wolves, it's honestly insane. If it's huntable, it's probably in this room. And you might think that sleeping in this room with all these animals, these dark, lifeless eyes looking at you in the giant windows at night would be creepy. And you're right, it was. But this room was a newer addition, especially compared to the rest of the house. 
However, after a while, we moved to sleep in the upstairs bedroom, and you might think that this would be preferable. However, I can safely say I slept far better in the trophy room than I ever did upstairs. Now, my room was at the end of this hallway towards my grandpa's room, and it was small and more isolated from the other rooms my sisters were staying in, and I often felt not alone, if you know what I mean. Even during the day, if I were alone in the house, I always felt like someone was right beside me or just outside the room. I swear I would hear bumps and noises. I know it was an old house, and there were probably some mice or creaking pipes, but still it was hard to explain because I usually felt like I was being watched intently, especially in the old parts of the house. This feeling never followed to the newer features of the place though, like the trophy room or the kitchen. I never saw anything or anyone, and neither did my sisters. Still, eventually, we all got so creeped out by this energy and this feeling that we all ended up sleeping together in one room. After some time, my dad got a new job and we didn't have to stay with my grandparents anymore. Still, I would continue to work for him over the summers during my teens and stay there. I would work alone, painting windows, barn doors, decks, or ground maintenance, like grass keeping and stuff like that. I would usually feel watched like someone was in the window just watching me work, and it never felt friendly. Just like it had felt when I stayed there when I was younger. It was a heavy, oppressive feeling. Like you were trespassing. Anyways, at some point during those years, I found out from my dad the original family who had built the farmhouse, the father, was buried on that land somewhere. So I believe this farmer was watching me and still is in that house. Even when I visit my grandparents' house to this day, I wouldn't say I like to go upstairs alone. And there are certain parts of the house, especially the basement, which is a dirt floor in some regions, that feel almost evil and certainly unwelcome. That heavy, oppressive feeling is still there, and probably always will be. My Friend, Miv, by Anonymous. I've always wanted to share this story. I've heard many paranormal stories, and there's always a little voice of doubt in terms of the storyteller's authenticity. But while these events didn't happen to me, they did happen to someone I was very close with and contain a few elements of corroboration. It's important for me to get a feeling for honesty when listening to a story that defies scientific belief. So, for what it's worth, this is an honest account. First, a little backstory. Miv was a fascinating woman. She was one of my best friends, which is a little odd because I met her when I was about 18 years old and she was in her middle ages. I was a young guy into motorcycles and rock music. I played guitar and was into horror movies and working out. As a contrast, she was short, dumpy, had thin greasy hair, a walking stick, and wore thick bottle rim glasses. She was never without a cigarette in her hand, and her ashtray was always full. However, she was an unbelievable astute and wise woman, to the point where she was like a wise old oracle to me and my hippie friends. There was never a personal problem she could not fix with a few gentle words. I would often go to her tall, slightly creepy Victorian terrace house, and we would sit in her favorite room and chat philosophically. The air full of smoke and surrounded by dusty antiques and the odd stuffed bird. Her husband was, by all accounts, a wretched man. His nickname, by all, was the Wizard. Their house was pretty much all wood floors, narrow but tall. 
He wore an orthopedic shoe, known colloquially as a club foot. You'd hear him coming and clomping down the wood stairs from a mile away. As his nickname suggested, he had long gray hair and a little goatee that resembled a stereotypical devil. He always wore a gray suit and had wild staring eyes. He didn't seem altogether and right in his mind. That was apparent during any conversation you would have with him. I don't mean he was like crazy, more like he was old, significantly older than Miv, and his mind was just a little aged. When he was younger, he also gained a reputation for black magic. One brief account I heard was that there was a black magic circle known for their dark deeds, something like the Golden Dawn or something like that. Well, they wouldn't let him join because he was too dark. Suffice to say, he was probably into summoning things. Anyway, over the years before Miv died, we became very close, and I heard all kind of cool stories. The story I'm about to recount is, I guess, not so cool. At least not for her. But it's an interesting one. Years ago, when she and her husband were living in South Wales in the UK, they lived in a similar house to the one that I knew that she lived in. A tall, slightly spooky, aren't they all, Victorian terrace house. These houses were usually three stories, maybe a basement. I've lived in one myself, and they're inherently spooky, which kind of sets the tone. At the time, Miv and the wizard had just had their first child, who would grow up to become one of my best friends about 24 years later. She had also, she had also, not too terribly long ago, come out of a brief stint in a nun's convent, so she was very religious. With that came certain beliefs and attitudes which would soon be very much tested to breaking points. I'm not able to be exact with the timeline here, but Miv told me that she started hearing voices, distant at first, in the house, where no one was around. As if often the case in many of these stories, she shrugged it off and ignored it as best she could, but then the voices started to address her directly. Now at this stage, she recalls being very worried that she was in fact unwell, and her biggest fear was that her son would get taken away from her due to her inability to take care of him. So, she told no one. The voices got worse and eventually would start saying things like, We're going to drive you mad. And she would say things like that, and so forth. If that wasn't enough though, she would soon start to see a dark shadowy figure at the top of the stairs. She told me that it would always appear in such a way that as you turned to look to see if there was something there, you'd almost stumble at the top of these steps and fall to your death. Still, she refused to talk about it. In her mind, and with her religious beliefs, there was no room for ghosts to exist, so it was a subjective phenomenon, and she was indeed losing her marbles. In this house, they had a cleaner. The cleaner would always leave the front door wide open when she was cleaning the stairs in the hall. Miv assumed it was to get fresh air, maybe to help dry the floor. One day, when it was cold, Miv questioned her. Why do you keep that door open? It's so cold. Her response changed Miv's life at this point. She said, It's so if that dark thing at the top of the stairs comes for me, I can get out of here right quickly. Again, bear in mind that Miv had not told anyone about this phenomenon. One day, she had a friend over. The friend was a big, burly, tough woman who stood no nonsense. She didn't believe in any of this supernatural rubbish and was not afraid of ghosts. 
After sitting in their living room and this lady giving Miv something of telling her off for being so silly and superstitious, the lady got up to go to the bathroom. She came back a moment later, her face white. You okay? said Miv. Can you come with me? replied the lady. Because you don't know where the bathroom is? No, because I'm not going up there on my own with that dark shadow. Another story shared with me was that Miv was bathing her son in the upstairs bathroom when someone knocked on the front door to the house. She yelled down to them, and it turned out to be a friend, so she shouted for him to come up and that she was in the bathroom. She heard him walk up the stairs. He then suddenly broke into a sprint, came running into the bathroom, threw his arms around Miv, and clung to her like a baby, terrified of what he had just seen. Eventually... It all came to a head when this entity started to entice her into something more sinister. She recalls hearing the voices beckoning her upstairs to the dark top floor bedroom. The weird thing here, and what's hard to explain, if only because I don't quite understand it, is that she felt compelled to obey. It got her up the stairs. She would stop. She would resist, and it would gently insist that she continues upward. And again, she would obey against her will. This happened all the way until she got to the bedroom with the lights out. If I recall correctly, the thing asked her to turn the lights out, and she at first said no, but again it insisted. This is crazy, I know. It eventually got her to lie down on the bed. Laying there in the dark, she then described how this entity began to assert itself onto and into her body. She described it like assault, but through her pores if that makes any sense. She began an internal struggle at this stage, and in that struggle was able to draw some willpower to call out the name of Jesus or something like that. I forgot whether she said a small prayer, but some form of religious statement, and the thing went away instantly. I'm sure there are many other anecdotes. The other friends in our circle know of these stories too and have probably heard their own tales, so I may be missing a few key pieces. All I know is that they shortly moved out of that house. Now, one thing that does stand out as interesting, after discussing the story with a mutual friend who knew Miv for years before I met her, he told me that she'd also said this to him, but around that time that they left the house for good, she saw the wizard kneeling and burying something, and it was thought that he was doing something. Whatever he was doing, though, resembled a closing ceremony for when someone summons a demon. I know some of this won't make any sense, and I don't really expect it to. Why would you stay married to someone that evil, though? I asked myself that question. In fact, you know something? I asked her that same question at least once. She took a long drag on her cigarette, gave a long, slow shrug as she exhaled, and said something about feeling sorry for him. The whole dynamic will have me scratching my head. Miv was incredibly wise in some ways, and yet nonsensical in other ways, but there seemed to be more to that family story than meets the eye. Eventually, they would have a daughter, who was born physically and mentally disabled. The daughter is only surviving family of the member now. My friend, her son, died of cancer about seven years after I met both him and his mother. The wizard died around that same time, too, and Miv, heartbroken over the death of her son, died just two years after we buried him. She used to say, When I die, I'm going to haunt you, in her usual playful way. Eyes twinkling, taking a drag of a cigarette. She meant to come back and give me a clue about the other side. After attending her son's funeral, I was walking on the waterfront of my hometown. I was thinking about them both, 
and I felt tearful. I sat on the sea wall and spoke to her. I asked her why she didn't come to me to show me any evidence of the other side. I concluded, well, maybe she tried, but I can't see it. Maybe I can only see what I can only see. I stood up to walk away, and something compelled me, I don't know what or why, to look down where I was sitting. There, etched into the very slab of concrete I was sitting on, was the first, initial, and the last name of her son, who we had buried two days before. Small Town Haunting by Lynn Dear Swamp Dweller, I've been listening to your stories for a while. I finally got the courage to share my own. Mind you, the story at the beginning will be a bit hazy, as it happened to me when I was five. But as my story goes on, because it continued until I was 22, it will become much clearer. When I was growing up, I lived in a small town in Ohio. To protect my family and friends, their names will be changed. Now, I have an older sister who I will call Lucy. We live in a small trailer outside of a small town literally in the middle of nowhere. It would take us 20 minutes to get to any major stores. One night, my sister Lucy was inviting her friend who I will call Jesse over to spend the night and have a sleepover. At the time, me and my sister had shared a room. Jesse was one of my sister's odd friends. She was gothic and into creepy stuff. Not to say there's anything wrong with that, but I was just kind of off put by it at the time. So, she had brought over a Ouija board. Me being five years old, not understanding the significance of it, I thought it was just some kind of board game. Well, later that night, I want to say sometime around midnight, my sister Lucy and her friend Jesse pulled out the Ouija board and told me to go to bed. After putting a ring of salt around my bed and around them saying it would protect us. Well, being a little kid, I wanted to see what the big kids were doing. They turned off all the lights and lit a couple of candles. Both sat cross-legged on the floor with their hands on the indicator. Now, I'm not really sure what it's called. Then, they started asking questions. Within a few minutes, they started receiving answers. Both did the normal reaction, which was, Did you move it? And they kept blaming each other. After a few minutes, they realized that neither one of them were doing it, and there was an outside force moving it. At one point, whatever was doing it asked them to both lay on the floor. I remember this very clearly. Maybe about five to ten seconds after they laid on the floor, I saw a red orb and white orb enter the room. I was so confused, and I had no idea what was going on. Then, as I watched from my bed, I saw the red orb enter my sister, and the white orb enter Jesse. For a few moments, nothing happened. Neither one of them moved. Then it was like all hell broke loose. Dark shadow figures swarmed over me in my bed. I started to scream. My mother heard all the commotion, and when she came in, I was being lifted off the bed by my hair. My sister and her friend were stuck to the floor and could not move. My mother started chanting something. I couldn't for the life of me tell you what it was that she said. But whatever it was, it worked. I felt my bed and my sister and her friend both sat at the same time. My mother looked at them and then looked at me. She saw the Ouija board on the floor and asked my sister and her friend what they had done. When neither one of them would answer, she asked me. I told her what I saw and what had happened. My mother was angry at my sister and her friend. She took the Ouija board away and went outside to burn it. 
As I would later learn, that is not the thing to do. For ten years after that, nothing happened. My parents had bought a double-wide trailer and put in a basement foundation to make it look like a real home. When building all of this, we had a lot of problems. The biggest problem that I could remember when we were doing the basement foundation and the back wall of the foundation, it fell in. We chalked it up to nothing but natural occurrences, but it kept happening, and it was a pain in the butt to get it to stay up. I don't even remember what they ended up doing to make sure it didn't happen again. The year I turned 15, my mother had gone to an antique store and bought an antique mirror. She hung it above a 55-gallon aquarium. One day, me, my sister, and my mother were sitting in the dining room. We are all talking about mundane things about our lives. All of a sudden, we heard something running through the house and then a child's laughter, and then my bedroom door slam. Me and my mother and my sister both looked at each other in shock and horror. We had no idea what had just happened. Things continued to get worse from there. There was one morning during the summer I had woken up late from staying up all night. My mother had been working a 70-hour work week and had the day off, so she was sleeping in too. When I walked out into the kitchen, I screamed because all the cabinet doors were open and all the dishes were stacked on the counters. It was insane because there were like canned vegetables on top of them, balanced in ways that were just not natural. This was stacked in a way that would be extremely odd for any human being to do. When my mother heard the scream, she came out of her bedroom and saw what had happened. She had started to put the pieces together, so she did her best to seek help. She talked to my father about it. My father was a skeptic and he had never really, you know, witnessed any of these events, so I don't really think he believed in any such thing. This ends up in an argument between the two of them. Eventually, my mother just waited until he was away for work to go to a Wicca priestess to ask for help. The priestess gave her things to bless the house with. She sent me away to one of my friends and called my sister over who had moved out a while back for some help. I do not know the events that occurred that night. I do not know what really went down, but for at least a year, things were okay after that. Until one night, I was in the living room. The way our living room was set up was that we had one large couch, which was set up against the window next to an end table. On the other end was another end table and a love seat, so it was shaped like an L with the coffee table in the middle. Next to the other end table, at the end of the large couch, was the TV stand. We also had a fireplace in the living room, which was across from the large couch directly opposite. It was a weekend, and I was working on a project for school. My parents were out grocery shopping, so I sat at the coffee table on the floor, working on my project, while watching TV with my back to the fireplace. Suddenly, I got the strange feeling like something was watching me. I started looking around, and then I looked at the fireplace. I noticed movement in the fireplace. As I kept on looking at the fireplace intently, I noticed a face. Whatever this thing was, had scraggly hair with cat-like eyes that were green in the most demonic smile I could ever imagine. It had what looked like alligator teeth. I was so entranced by it, I kept on staring at it, and then I decided to draw it. It moved its head back and forth, and finally, it said something to me. It said, I've been with you for many years, and I will never leave. Even when you think I'm gone, I'll still be there. 
At this point, being scared out of my mind, I ran to grab my house phone and called my mother and told her she needed to get home now. When her and my father got home, they asked me what I was doing in their bedroom. They could see me from the window while they were driving up the driveway. I told them I hadn't even left the living room, I was too scared to move. My parents did not believe me because my mother got upset and told me I shouldn't be telling stories. Two weeks after this event was when things really got bad. My father was away on work again. Me and my mother were sitting in the living room watching TV together. As we were watching TV, we started hearing bangs on our front door. My mother went to check on what it was, and there was no one there. She sat back down and started watching TV with me again. Then we heard footsteps running across the house from my bedroom to their bedroom and the door slamming. The laughter of a child followed it again. Me and my mother both looked shocked to each other. The cabinet doors in the kitchen all started opening and closing and banging hard like somebody was angry. The mirror above the fish tank started vibrating and banging off the wall. At this moment, me and my mother both stood up and ran for her bedroom. She went to her side table and pulled out sage candles and the Bible. She lit the candles and the sage and started repeating a verse from the Bible. I started to become angry and felt sick all of a sudden. After about 20 minutes of her just repeating the verses, everything stopped. She asked me if I was okay, to which I replied I did not feel very well. She put her hand on my forehead and realized I was burning up. A few hours later, after we cleaned up everything, I felt fine. The fever was gone. Many years later, I had entered a bad relationship. When I was around 22, me and my ex decided to go on a night drive. It had been raining for quite a few days and we wanted to get out of the house. We were coming down a steep hill and all of a sudden, something was before us. When I say something, I knew exactly what it was. It was the same scraggly figure I had seen in my fireplace all those years ago, but this time it had a body and it was about six foot tall, and it had long claws for hands. My ex slammed on the brakes to try to avoid it, and we swerved past it. It reached out towards the car, trying to scratch out at us. Our tires blew out, and he started swerving uncontrollably down a hill with a curved bottom with an embankment. We went over the embankment, and we landed on a bush allowing us to land softly, luckily. My ex had hit his head on the window on the driver's side, I had been wearing my seatbelt and was not injured too bad. He was unconscious for roughly five minutes. Well, I was trying to get out of the car to get help. We landed on the opposite side, so the only way out of the car was through my door on the passenger side. When he finally came to, he helps me open the passenger door and climb out. Mind you, in this moment we were both in shock. He decided he was going to walk back to his house and pull the car out with his truck. He told me to stay there and wait. As I did, the figure appeared again, this time within ten feet of me. It spoke without moving its mouth with that same demonic smile. I believe it was trying to say something to me, but I couldn't decipher it this time. My ex started coming down the hill with his truck. When the light hit the figure, it disappeared. And I didn't tell him what happened. I was too scared and I thought I was still in shock. A few months later, me and him broke up. I have not seen him since, although I have heard about him and things in his life have gone bad. I don't know if it was the creature's doing or if it was just karma. I do know when I speak about these events that they send chills down my spine. I have not seen the figure since that day. I pray that I never will again. 
I don't know if it came from the Ouija board or not, but I refused to have one in my home or around me. Sorry this was long-winded, but this really did happen. I hope you decide to share this on your show. I love listening to your stories and hope you continue with it. Traumatic Events I Can't Quite Explain by Yumi L. So this happened quite a few years back. I was a recent graduate, working as a low-paid radio presenter on the local television, dating a man much older than me, Jordan, a renowned artist and writer. Our relationship was never as close as I would have wanted it to be. The excuse of work and other personal issues would have always stood in the way. His mom had recently suffered a stroke, so we were all busy tending to her in some way, even though she was extraordinarily headstrong and independent. A professional stylist would come over to her apartment every week, fix her hair, paint her nails, etc. Despite her slight immobilization and health condition, she was adamant about maintaining her physical appearance. I often visited her, and we talked over coffee and countless cigarettes. One day, I stayed the night with my boyfriend. I was busy making breakfast for us all the following day. His mother was still in bed sleeping longer than usual. Jordan decided if it was time to wake her up since the food was almost ready. He entered her room only to exit almost immediately, swiftly walking over to me where I saw what had just occurred. Confused, I asked what was going on, and in a calm voice, he quickly said, Go home. She's gone. I don't want you to see this. I immediately knew what had happened and grabbed my coat to leave. The next few days were a blur for us all. I was called over for a final open casket viewing before they transported her body to a nearby city where she was to be cremated then buried. As soon as it started, it was all over and calm again. The funeral was over and Jordan was now home. I went over to his apartment to spend some time with him and comfort him. Our close friend had traveled to pay her respect and we invited her to stay the night before she traveled back the following day. I was pacing the living room up and down, suddenly feeling emotions welling up in me stronger than I was ready for. I looked up at the grandfather clock sitting against a wall when I noticed the arrows going backward, then forward again, in a systematic pattern. I stayed transfixed on it for quite a few seconds, not quite believing what I had seen. When I finally snapped out of it and decided to check the clock for some sort of issue and check the other clocks in the room to make sure I wasn't going crazy, I hadn't even thought to turn the lights on. So, it took me a second to focus my eyes, but when I did, I was not even surprised to see the clocks in the room were all acting up at the same time. A happy, sad feeling washed over me, and I shouted for Jordan and our friend to come see. They were just as surprised as I was, but no one seemed afraid. We all just kind of smiled knowingly. Even in the so-called afterlife, his mother kept her sense of humor alive. Eventually, we quieted down and sat on the living room sofa to watch TV before bed. It was around 11 p.m. when the screen unexpectedly turned to static. My boyfriend stood up, almost likely to go slam his hand on the TV in an attempt to fix it, when the sudden static turned to a complete black screen with a message in the corner saying, Sleep 3. Jordan stood in the complete dark room, shocked, looking at this TV, a few steps away from it. His hand was around his waist, staring down at the screen. The message soon disappeared, turning back to static. We all let out a small chuckle, and then promptly turned off the TV, listening to the news. We all made our way to bed. Nobody was alarmed, really, but we were all kind of freaked out. 
It was definitely unsettling, but we'd like to think it was just a way for his mom to say goodbye. My Aunt's Spooky House by Anonymous I have an aunt that lives in a haunted house. The house was built in the late 1800s. The house has a weird setup. It is technically two separate identical houses conjoined as one big house. According to my mom, the house was owned by two women that were twins. With each twin living on their own side and each side connecting through a staircase in the attic. Legend has it that the twins had an uncle that did bad things to them. That ended in one of the twins getting pregnant and having a baby. The other twin smothered the baby, ending in both twins committing suicide. Weirdly, almost every family member that has ever had the misfortune of sleeping over at that house has left with a story to tell. To my own dismay, I have on two different occasions experienced something here. The summer after I graduated 8th grade, my older cousin was getting married out of state. Not all of our family from our state could go, so just me and my aunt went. We had a very early flight to catch, so she figured it would be better if I spent the night at her house. I asked if I could sleep in her room. When she asked why, I was direct and told her because the house was haunted. As usual, she shrugged it off and angrily disputed that there were no ghosts, she said. If it will make you feel a little bit better, you can stay in my room. As night drew near, I went to the bathroom, to the medicine cabinet, and took sleep medicine, in hopes it would make me fall asleep before my aunt. Sure enough, it didn't. My aunt dozed off and I lay wide awake and scared. Occasionally, switching my eyes from looking at the TV to glance at the hallway through the open door. A couple of hours passed and nothing happened. I started to let my guard down and relax just a little bit. I got a little more comfortable in the bed and, out of nowhere, the closet doorknob started to frantically rotate as if someone was trying to get out. I immediately sat up, wide awake and in panic mode. The remaining hours of the night I stayed awake in fear watching the closet door, not sure who or what was trying to open it, but to this day, I'm happy it never did. Years later, the summer after I graduated college, I spent the night over at her house again. Like the previous time, we were traveling out of town the next day, and my aunt figured it would be better if I spent the night at her house, so we could catch an early flight the next morning. I unhappily obliged, as we retired for the night. I headed to the room where I would be sleeping. It was the room down the hall from my aunt's. I closed the door, put on my PJs, and sat down on the recliner in front of the TV. I had already mentally prepared myself and had expected to stay awake the entire night. The beginning of the night, I browsed the web on my phone to pass some time. A couple of hours passed and nothing was happening. So, as soon as the clock approached 3am, I began to hear what sounded like heeled shoes walking. Whatever it was, walked up the stairs, down the hall, and stopped right outside the room I was in. I immediately jumped up, went to the heavy day bed in the room, and pushed it in front of the door to prevent whatever it was from opening the door. The walking continued. Again, and again. It would start from the base of the stairs and go up the stairs and down the hall, each time stopping right outside the door of the room I was in. Despite barricading the door, closed, I was still scared. To lighten up the tense atmosphere... I turned on a channel that had some stand-up comedy and tried to watch that, but I was still terrified. The walking persisted for about an hour. Eventually it stopped, but I kept the door barricaded, remained awake, and waited until the morning to open the door. 
I have not been back to sleep over at my aunt's house, and I likely never will. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true unexplained horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful for the swamp, growing its ever-expanding waters. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them almost every single day. And all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. And stories like yours help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you made it all the way to the end, definitely let me know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. I'd love to see it. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. 